And we're going we're gonna to dig in. So we are in a series called Be the Church. And we're, gonna, we're taking some time to talk about what the church is all about, what the church is. Remember from the beginning I've said that the church is about people. Uh, and when you read about the church in the Bible, it's either referring to the people from uh, the believers from the time of Christ until now. That's the church. Or uh, a group of believers in a specific place. That's the church. But it's always about people. And I'm making that point over and over because I want you to sort of take deep within you that the church, church is something that you are, not something that you do. And we have a tendency to compartmentalize church and make it something that we do. But the reality is you're the church. You're the church 24-7. Right now we're the church gathered corporately, but when you leave, you're the church on mission. About relationships. And it's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with the people of God. And it's about our relationship with the future people of God. That's how I like to refer to people that don't know Jesus yet. It's very hopeful, I think. So future believers, if you would. And, and those relationships, I think we can develop in the context of discipleship and fellowship and worship and mission. So we're breaking this study into looking at those things and... Um, uh, right now we're talking about discipleship, what it means to be a disciple. We just started that discussion last week, and we're going to continue with that today uh, uh, in our time together. So that's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. Always trying to figure out what to keep or not uh, for the rest of the weekend. I th- let's see if you like this one. This uh, very devout old shepherd lost his favorite Bible while he was out looking for a wayward sheep. Um, three weeks later, a sheep walked up to him carrying the Bible in his mouth. His eyes. He took the precious book out of the sheep's mouth and raised his eyes, eyes heavenward and exclaimed, It's a miracle! But the, the sheep looked at him and said, Not really, your name is written on the inside cover. <laughs> no? Okay. I liked it. The doctor gave me some anti-gloating cream. And now all I want to do is rub it in. Better? I took a chance on a used food processor, but no dice. Okay, apparently I'm not keeping that one. (laughs) I quit my job at the helium factory the other day. I'm not going to be spoken to in that voice. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. Sorry, I apologize. Focus. Scripture reading here on purpose. Luke chapter 14. Verses 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples, blessed be the word of the Lord. 
Now, I would say that, that a sort of quick reading of that passage is a little disconcerting because there's some very difficult things in there. And uh, uh, we're talking about being disciples and what that means. And Jesus uh, there in the Gospel of Luke uh, lays out some pretty sort of heavy ideas about what that really looks like. But, but let's get it in context so we can be aware of what's going on because it's really a, it's a, it's a great passage. So by this time in Jesus' ministry, as Luke is, is recording, um, Jesus had a very large crowd that traveled around with him. Um, but this crowd, however, was not all disciples at this point in time. Some of them were probably following Jesus just so they could sort of see the miracles happening. And because there was a lot of excitement and there was a, you know, it was something to do. Um, you know, people that uh, uh, weren't, didn't have a lot of things going on would like to be around the action because it was something for them to do. And so these crowds of people were following Jesus. Other than them were, were probably hanging around because... Um, of the possibility of a free lunch or a free dinner. Jesus would do that from time to time and they didn't want to miss any of that stuff. Um, some were there hoping, as we discussed, that Jesus was about to throw, overthrow the Romans. Remember, the people of Israel were looking for a deliverer who was to come and was to free them from this oppression they were under. They were looking for a return to the glory of the Davidic kingdom. And uh, that every time that, that, you know, someone would rise up, that's what they were looking for. And they had pinned these hopes on Jesus because they'd seen the miraculous power that he was operating in. And they thought, surely this was the one that was going to set them free from that. And, and uh, on, on Jesus' first time here, that wasn't what he came to do. He came to make a way for us to be reconciled to God. He's coming back someday and that, that everything gets restored to that former glory. But it wasn't in that important time. So because there was all these people who weren't really disciples, Jesus begins to talk about what it looks like to be a disciple. And, and so the first thing you know, need to know about being a disciple, according to the Gospel of Luke, is this point number one in your notes, is that we need to love God all in. Whenever I use that word all in, because it's part of our, our mission uh, here, I mean uh, heart, mind, soul, and strength. All in. That's, that's what those words mean to me. We're to love God all in. Our, our mission is all about one more, but we hyphenate that at the end, all in. We want people to, to love God, to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That, and so not only come into relationship with Him, but really to understand what it means to be a follower and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So he says something very interesting in verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, that's one of those verses, again, I sort of mentioned it when I read it for the first time, that seem almost contrary to what you would expect Jesus to say um, because of all the other things that he says. And, and you would look at that and go, well, what is he asking of us in that process? Are you really asking me, Jesus, to hate my family? Because you've been telling me throughout that I need to love and love well and love others and do all these things. Um, but what Jesus is doing is, is he's, um, he's making a contrast. He's going to make a point. He's trying to make people think about what it means to be his disciples. And, and so he's, he's, he's not actually saying that we have to hate our families and friends. Um, he's using it differently. He's, he's using the idea that hate um, is the opposite of love, in effect. And he's... He's making a point by um, using something that, that um, by not using something that would be easy to hate. Like if he was to say, if you want to follow me, you just need to hate the, the evil one. Um, people go, yeah, that's no issue. But 
what he's doing is he's, he's making this contrast of what it means to love God. And so he's taking the entire system by which we pretty much experience what love looks like. Our understanding of love comes from family and friends and all those things in ourselves. And, and what Jesus is saying is that love that you're experiencing, that's not the standard for your love with me. Our love for God has to be the highest priority. It exceeds what we know in the natural. It's different than that. And, and once we understand that that's what we're talking about, that, that we're just not sort of adding in this relationship with Jesus to the everything else, um, that this is the, the most important thing that happens in our lives. This is the, the biggest deal in the universe. This is the life-changing moment when we're reconciled back to God. This relationship that's now available to us is the most incredible thing. And until that relationship is right, we really can't love everybody else the way that we're supposed to. Um, loving, loving people can be difficult sometimes. Uh, even your family and friends, sometimes it can get a little... Any, anybody in family ever get on your nerves a little bit? Just a, just a little bit, maybe? And yet we, we, we get that we love them and stuff, but, but now there's this whole new issue about how, how God wants us to love Him, heart, mind, soul, and strength. He wants us to be thinking about what that looks like and, and what that means. Um, because it's important. I, you know, I love my family. We had this great opportunity this week where... Uh, so, uh, you know, I have two children who are both married, and they've produced offspring, all of them, and I have a total of seven grandchildren. Um, my, my daughter has five, and my son has two. And so this week, on Monday, um, we all ventured up to Disney World. All 13 of us were at Disney World. And, and uh, Disney World's very hot this time of year. And... Uh, you know, I, I used to like Disney World. I, I, I still like Disney World, but not in the way that I used to like it 40 years ago. Uh, it's different now, you know. And so it's very hot, and, and I get tired easily. The best thing for me was being with the grandkids, um, because how cool is that that we had this time, and with my kids, of course, too. But uh, um, just kind of hanging out and watching them in the park. And, and you know, there was, there was some really some great moments, and then it's Disney World. There's some tough moments, too, in Disney World. There's a, there can be very stressful in Disney World. You, you get to watch all sorts of dynamics at work, in the process. So it was very, very interesting for me. But, uh, you know, you see the, the dynamic. And, and so we have that in our families. Uh, and, and that's good because we, we care for each other and we love one another. But our relationship with God has to be viewed as being something even greater than that so that we can love our families appropriately. Because until we figure out that, that we can't be the center of the story, and we never love right. So until we get out of the center of the story of our lives and make sure this is his story, we're, we're going to be stuck in there and we're going to take things in ways that we shouldn't and we're not going to respond appropriately in situations and we're not going to allow people to have the room that they need to grow and to learn and, and all those things have to take place. And so Jesus just saying, if, listen, to be my disciple, in order to live the way that I'm telling you to live, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get our relationship in the highest priority and then everything else will come into line after that. Because he wants us to love our families with his love. Not with, because the best of our love isn't enough. His love is so much better in the process. So, with that in mind, we have to go to this next step uh, about being disciples. We have to know all the time, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. I, I say that here fairly often. Um, and I always want to add this caveat. It is some about me. 
Because people go, well, it's not all about me, it's not about me. And it's like, no, it is some about you because that's part of the process. It just can't be all about you. So there we go back to that idea of the story, that this is his story and he's the center and, and, and he's the noun and we're adjectives, we describe him. No better story to be involved in than his and no better way to live life than letting him be at the center of the story. So it's some about me because he invites me into the story. But this is his story. And, and that's where we find life in the process. He says this in Luke 14, uh, 27. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And in Luke 9, 23, he said, and then he said to him, all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So, so this is reinforcing that idea of, of not letting us be the center of everything that's going on. And one of the biggest obstacles we really face in being his disciple uh, is that we are all a little overly preoccupied with self. That's the nature that we're born with. That's that sin nature thing. Remember, I've, I've told you in the past that when, when we come to Jesus, the amazing thing is that we're given a new nature, but that old nature still hangs around with us until we go to be with Jesus. Now, we have the power now to deal with it in the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we do, and other times we don't. But, but that self thing is a big deal, uh, and it causes a lot of issues. Uh, that's why I always laugh, you know, in the last, I don't know how many years now, 10 years, has a whole new thing. Now, they're not new anymore, but selfies. You know, I, I grew up, we never took pictures of ourselves, ever. Uh, it wasn't even a thing. I don't know anybody that took pictures of themselves. And now the, the whole, I get it, I do, I'll do it too, it, but usually not just myself, I usually have somebody else in the picture. But we have a whole deal about, look, it's me, and look at what I'm doing, and look at where I'm at, and everything. And that's all, it's all good to a, to a degree, but it changes things. I had this thing, too. So this week, we were taking a lot of pictures. You talk about being a little self-occupied. you know, occupied. Uh, So a lot of pictures were there. And, and uh, I've, I always remember this. This is very important. Maybe you've heard me say it before. Maybe you haven't. But um, do, do you know how you judge whether or not a picture is a good picture? If you look good in it. Everybody else could look horrific in a picture. And if you look all right, you haven't even noticed them. You'd immediately say, well, that's a good picture. And you don't realize that all you looked for, you, and you scanned that picture, and you didn't even really look at anybody else. You just looked at you first off and like, oh, that's a good picture. And everybody else could be completely frazzled and could be a mess and, you know, things not where they're supposed to be, and you don't even notice. Um, because we, that's our first thing. That's that thing is, well, how do I look in that picture? And if you don't look good, you don't think it's a good picture. But if you look good, it's good. Just the way that we're sort of trained into these things. And so I'll be taking all these pictures at Disney and I was looking through them and stuff. And I was, of course, I, I look good in all the pictures. But nonetheless, uh, <laughs> I photograph pretty well. Um, but, you, you know, but I take time to look and you can see how people are going to like these pictures. You know, that, and, when, and when there's that many kids, you can never get them all looking in the same direction. or They're, they're going to have to be photoshopped for it to work. But anyway... We have this preoccupation we have to be aware of. Um, and Paul said this in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. 
So uh, Paul e- even saw it coming. He said, listen, if you, if you don't get to that spot where you get yourself out of the center of the story, um, you get consumed by everything that's going on around us. And we live in a, in a culture now where we can just take that into a, in all sorts of darkness in our lives if we're not careful. So, so we have to realize we're not the center of the story. But it is some about us. And, and so you have to remember you were created to, to, you, you were created to want to enjoy life. You were created to, to experience happiness. And those things are not sin at all. It's just an issue of those things become the most important things in our lives. That's where the big sticking point is, is that we've tended to get those things elevated to a place where we've lost what's really important, which is the relationships that we have with God and with others in the process. Um, because, you know, you know, the Bible makes it clear where to love ourselves, Ephesians 5.29. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. And Matthew 22.39, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The idea is with those things that what we want for our neighbors is we want them to experience the love of Jesus that we experience. We want them to know this amazing love that, that, you know, that, that we have. We, we want them to know peace that passes understanding. We want them to experience this life and what it means. And, and that's, why we, you know, that's how we love our others in the process as we love ourselves. Since we're experiencing that, we want others to experience it as well. I've got this this quote from A.W. Tozer that I just thought was really important. In every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king with, uh, within the little kingdom of man's soul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility. Um, powerful stuff. And I like that picture because he was saying we had to pick up our cross. Um, you know, when I use the analogy of being in the story, that's what it's all about. This is his story. We've got to get out of the center. We've got to yield the center to him so that he can have it. We're, that's how we take up our cross as we, we understand that we're following him and, and not the other way around. We are not uh, uh, the ones in charge. He is. So that allows me to say this. Point number three is that it is this life. It's all about Jesus. Uh, in the process, in, the, in Luke 14:33, it says, "In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples." Now, that's another thing that people take and go, "What's he saying in that process?" And, and uh, uh, the reality is that everything that we are belongs to Jesus. It's all because He gave it all to us anyway. It's all His. But we start hanging on to everything in our life. That's us being in the center of the story. But, but where we find life is when we get to that spot where, where and I said this last week, John Wimber used to say this, I'm just changing his pocket. He can spend me however he wants. And that helps me through life when I start getting very self-centered. Like, um, I often think about that statement when I'm standing in line somewhere. Uh, sometimes standing in line seems like a complete waste of time to me. Anybody ever feel that way? 
And you, you know, I, I use Winn Dixie all the time. Why isn't there more? Well, you know, I don't want it. And it's, my only frustration is it's going to take me an extra five minutes, which in reality is ridiculous. Um, I did a lot of line standing here this last week. And, uh, and, and if I'm not at that spot where I start thinking about, but, but God's in charge of my time. And, and I'm changing his pocket. If he wants to spend me here in this line today, it's good. So what can I do while I'm waiting here that's, that's more beneficial than just thinking what a waste of my time it is? And I can pray and I can engage in relationship and I can talk to other people and I can, I can do all sorts of things that make use of that time. But I, I never do it if I'm stuck in the center of, look what's happening to me. It's all about me. So he can spend us how he wants. I love this encounter Jesus has with uh, rich young ruler in Mark 10, 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So it was okay to call Jesus good because he was, in fact, God. Um, You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He gives them the the community standards, those, those last six that they have there uh, um, in the process. A teacher, he says, uh, it, uh, he declares, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Um, sometimes people have read that and I think, well, that means we're not supposed to have anything, we're not supposed to have any money. Um, this was not an idea of taking a vow of poverty. The problem was that, because it, it says that Jesus loved him well, Jesus was telling him what was sitting on the throne in his life, and that was the fact that he had great wealth. It, it wasn't the money that was the issue, it was the position in this guy's life, what it took, which is, it was the most important thing. And Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, it can't be the most important thing. It never told him, you know... It, some people think, oh, well, like, it means, you know, I can't have nice things. It doesn't. It's not what it means at all. It just means the, the nice things that God gives you are you're to be, they're to be enjoyed. And yet, if you, if you start serving your things, you have an issue. Your things should be serving you. So the moment that you get so many things and stuff that all, you're spending all of your time trying to take care of those things, there's a, there's a flip that needs to take place. But as long as those things and the good things that God has given you are serving you in this process so that you're free to continue to love and serve God with everything and understand that it's all His, that's where you sort of find life. Because when it becomes about material things and hanging on to everything so tightly, again, we don't find any life there. So um, when you start reading about what Jesus has said, you, you might start to think that it, that it actually costs a lot to be a disciple. And in some ways it does. Uh, it costs everything. But, but when, we, when we willingly go there, we get everything in return. So it, it's, it doesn't. I saw some shirts at Disney World that I liked. There was this one, this kid had a shirt on and it said, um, best day of my life on his shirt, being Disney World. And his dad had a matching shirt and it said, most expensive day of my life. <laughs> And, and I was thinking about that, and, and, you know, it could be the most expensive day of your life, but if you're doing it right, and you're building memories with your family, and you're giving them something that's not just the stuff, but it's you, then it's worth it. You know, and that's the, the heart of this thing. When you, when you realize that this, this whole thing is about these relationships that we have, um, that our relationship with God, 
our relationship with one another and how important those things are. That, that the, the reality is that all that we have that's eternal are, you know, that is our relationship with God and our relationship with people in relationship with God. Everything else is, is temporary at best. So they have to be what we value, and that's the point Jesus is making as we, as we follow him, to really follow him. We have to understand that he's important, that that's the most important thing going. Out of that understanding, then everything else happens, where we can enjoy life and experience life to the full and be used in, in, in a good way in, in his story and make a difference. So think about those things this week, and uh, we're going to continue to talk more about... Uh, what it means to be a disciple next week in our fisherman's blessing. I'll be talking about how Jesus, how much he liked fishermen. Because seven of those 12 guys that he first grabbed were all fishermen. So there's something going on there. And uh, we'll, we'll put some of that together about being a disciple. But that's where we're going to end for now. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And uh, we'd love to see you when we can. If you need prayer, go to the website. There's a prayer page. God bless.